Hello, everyone. Happy 2021. Welcome back to the Sit with Snit podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Snit. I'm really excited about this week's episode and just where the podcast has started, is currently holding, and where the future holds for it. So first thing, thank you, my listener, my friend, my confidant. Thank you for sitting with it. Thank you for making space for the topics that we share on this podcast. And thank you for taking the time to really process things. I firmly believe it's important to sit with things before we go out publicly and declare them, especially things that maybe trigger some or really hold true for us or something that we're trying to shift. And I think that's why I feel ready to finally start speaking about diet culture, my past with it, and how it's really shaped who I am. I'm not saying this in a positive or negative way. It's rather quite neutral as of now. But you'll see in this episode where I'm sitting with Sammy Sage, the co-founder of Betches Media and the podcast host for Betches Sup, Morning Announcements, and Diet Starts Tomorrow. We're really going to get real about Sammy's journey with diet culture, fat phobia, and where she's currently holding now that she's brought intuitive eating into her life and just a new value shift. I think so many of us are scared to raise our hand in the room when we talk about our bodies and how society's made us feel about them, but I feel stronger now, and I'm ready to raise mine. So without further ado, let's sit with body positivity and diet culture. Hi, welcome back to the Sit With Snit podcast. Thanks for all braving the brand change. But I'm really excited to have Sammy Sage here, formerly known as Sammy Fishbine. For those of you who may not know her new married name, yes, she has a ring on it and it's beautiful and we're thriving about it. Welcome, Sammy. Thank you so much, Hannah. Congrats on the rebrand and you. you are just, you're thriving. I'm loving, I'm loving your like host voice. I feel like you are the perfect person to be hosting this podcast. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. It was definitely inspired by your mentorship. So I'm very grateful. And just honestly, like I was just saying to Sammy before we hit the record button, everyone, I was definitely a bit nervous to do this episode, which definitely made me realize how important it is that we're going to be talking about this diet culture that really needs to have ended yesterday. And the fact that it's still something, a phenomenon that we're constantly dealing with, whichever, you know, sphere of life that you may be in, whether you're in a religious community, non-religious, you name it, put a label on it, it's there. And I think it's time that we speak about it. And Sammy has an entire podcast that she co-hosts surrounding it, which I love, which is The Diet Starts Tomorrow. And I just think this was the perfect kind of, you know, quote unquote, shidduch, if you want to call it a one. <laughs> For no us, pun intended. Literally. Oh gosh, I'm triggered already. Um, but I'm going to let you just start with what you do best and let's just talk about it. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, maybe it would just help if I kind of like tell the background of my relationship yes. with food and my, and my body and diet culture. So bear your soul with us, Sam. I will bear. So Yes, I will bear and feel free to interject with any questions if you either know something that you want me to include or um, that you think I'm leaving out or like you think there's something that I could better explain. Okay. So I'm like a lot of girls who I'm sure are listening and you maybe not, you know, not listening um, who 
who kind of grew up in a body that they never really felt was acceptable, or even if it wasn't not acceptable, it was a body that society told me had to be smaller. Um, And I, you know, I remember being like in fourth grade and being like a hundred pounds and being like that person who like, I couldn't believe that I was like this quote unquote big. Um, by the time I was like in seventh grade, I was like going to Weight Watchers, like with my friends, like, and I'll be honest, like I, I did get like thinner (laughs) when I did that. Um, but I was like 13, literally, it was like for my pot mitzvah, my pot mitzvah diet. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um, and that sort of started the beginning of my road of yo-yo dieting for from then until now, like we're still doing it (laughs) or, you know what, I'll talk about where I am now in my journey. I think that will be kind of like the, the culmination of it, but, but I did, I yo-yo dieted for but for the past 50, you know, 20 years, let's say, um, you know, I was really heavy in high school and after high school, I like, or not after, but like during, like during my going to senior year, mm-hmm. I like lost a bunch of weight. I probably had like at least three t- periods of my life where I was heavy, like much heavier than I think like my set point is, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then I lost like substantial weight. So my whole life has just been sort of like an up and down hills and valleys of weight loss, restriction, binging, wanting to feel like, and just feeling restricted and deprived. Um, So that was kind of my whole life. Um, It occupied so much of my brain space, like constantly counting calories. Like I would count, I literally had an app that I used for like 10 years, like, you know, I was always a calorie counter. I was not like, I tried keto once. And I actually think that that is sort of what like was the end, the beginning of the end for me. Cause I did that like right after starting the diet starts tomorrow podcast, which is going to be three years old in April. So yeah. Huge milestone. milestone. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if we want to like get into kind of like the specifics of my restriction, but I, I feel like maybe listeners of this know that I was religious for a time mm-hmm. and I will talk about just cause I feel like this is a relatable piece for sure. that like, I, I looking back, I can see this, but at the time I definitely didn't how I used like the laws of being kosher to restrict myself. Like I would consider every fast day to be like the jump start of my new diet. Like oh this is, this is the beginning. Like we're starting the caloric deficit on fast day. Um, I also like would have, would feed, would like make myself eat meat so that I wouldn't eat like ice cream or chocolate. Yep. Um, Sorry, I'm flesh. Yep. yeah, right. Right. Um, I would like, even when I was becoming religious, this is when I think it really started, but I was not self-aware enough to understand. Mm-hmm. I started off being like, I'm a vegetarian because of kosher reasons. But really what that was serving me was that it was like having any menu at any restaurant that I went to with friends And I did that. I did that kind of a a bunch of times. Like I went vegetarian, like. Right. It was, it was like the socially acceptable way to restrict yourself um, without people asking questions. Right. Like if no one's asking questions, maybe we can hide it under the rug type of thing. Right. Exactly. Like no one's going to be like, oh, you have an eating disorder or you have disordered eating. And that's why you're eating meat for dinner. Like no one's know that. 
it's only like something, you know, in your own head. And it's also like, I don't think I understood myself enough at that point to like really admit to myself why I was doing certain things, kosher being one of them. Um, then, so, okay, this is something I'm dealing with my whole life. My co-founder and best friend since we were really young, um, we started the Diet Starts Tomorrow podcast as one of the many thing, initiatives we've started <laughs> since Betches began. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, I mean, the reason we started this is because like we kind of have a similar struggle with like yo-yo dieting and constantly feeling like never acceptable in our bodies and like, like you're always never feeling- getting anywhere. Like you never achieve something. It's always something else out there. Right. Well, even when I was like, well, even now looking back on photos that I'm like, oh, that was the goal. At that time I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not. I was so enough. unhappy. I, I yeah. felt the same way. I was looking at pictures of myself, like maybe sophomore year of college. And I was like, why did I have an issue with myself? Like I would literally maybe have a panic attack before leaving the house. Like, can I go outside with what I'm wearing? Do I feel okay? Like, uh, maybe I'm going to cancel my plans to the point where like, I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have loved you a lot more than. Oh my. I can't tell you the number of times that I canceled plans, canceled dinners because I was like, I've eaten enough calories for today and I don't want to be around More that food. much alcohol or food. Oh gosh, and alcohol. yeah, like I, I didn't like drinking because of the calories and I would never drink drinks that I wanted. Like I would only drink like a tequila soda because, or like just plain straight liquor because, okay. which yeah. I hate the taste of so much because like, I'll ne- like, I would drink these things because in rather than having like a cocktail that I enjoyed because like too much sugar, too many calories. It's just like this total lack of allowing yourself to, to enjoy your life things and experience life. And part of that is food. But when you've been taught and shoved down your, you know, self that like food is the equivalent of why you aren't good enough, then well, best of luck having a relationship with it. Exactly. I mean, will there's so much, there's so much more to unpack here and, and we're about to get there in the journey. Okay. So we started this podcast. The podcast began as like a diet culture podcast. Like we were fully like, how are we going to get thin? Like every, we listened to our new year's resolutions back on like the past. And it's like, everything was like, go to the gym five times a week. Literally like, lose 10 pounds. Lose, right. Lose 10 to 15 pounds. Like every year, like every year that is the fucking resolution. So sorry, I don't know. Do we no, curse on here? No, we're fine with cursing. It's okay. Okay, great. Right. It's funny because people always come on my podcast. They're like, can we curse here? I'm like, yeah. Do you know the name of the company? Express yourself like, however way that means. <laughs> I right, exactly. sound, so like, don't worry. Right, exactly. So, so, okay. So we start this podcast and the, the journey of the podcast is like, Aileen went on like an intensive wedding diet. I went on an intensive wedding diet. The pandemic hits and I'm like mid wedding diet and my wedding's canceled. And just to keep, just to keep it short, like over the past, the the first two years of the podcast were spent like in very, like in deep in the diet culture. Mm -hmm. I did, we did like get into intuitive eating. Like we read the book probably like within the first year of our podcast, but it was, when I was reading it at that time, I was just trying to like find a salve. Like I was trying to figure it out. And ultimately I only did that first phase where you sort of like eat whatever you want to get rid of your like restrictions. Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I know that I'm getting engaged soon. And, or I don't remember if I think I, no, I bit, I was engaged Okay. or was I not engaged? I don't, I knew that like, this wasn't going to last because I knew there was like an impending wedding diet. 
There's that is like a pending situation that calls for a new diet, right? Exactly. Like a party calls for a, <laughs> used to call for a diet for me yep. going. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so I tried intuitive eating. It didn't work. Cause I didn't ha- and I will say why it didn't work because I didn't have like the right mindset and I wasn't doing it because of my values, which I will get to. Mm. Okay. Fast forward to the pandemic. Um, the world goes crazy like one month. Yeah. One month before my wedding and just your luck, Sammy. Just, yeah. Yeah. And I have to like, I have to really underscore how much the wedding diet was a pivotal piece of this for me. And my weight on my wedding day became an obsession, um, that I didn't really know what to make of it. Mm. And when it was canceled and we didn't know when the wedding would be, just, it really just did a number on, on like my, I, I was like a, imagine like a robot malfunctioning, like all my calorie counting. I'm like, Oh my God, like, how am I going to figure this Game out? When spewing out of the robot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Then in the summer we have the BLM protests and the, the, the experience of, of a global pandemic and the wedding being canceled and being locked in your home that was like the experience between when the pandemic hit and when like BLM started. So I had sort of like, I can't explain it, but I experienced a a progressive value shift over kind of like that time. I'm sure. Um, I I hope most people did. If not, what was the pandemic? (laughs) Right, right, right. So when the pandemic hit, I will tell just to set this up, I was, I, I had a very like anxious worry I have a severe anxiety and I get really focused on, <laughs> yeah, right. I know like who doesn't, but I'm so not, I get, not to not validate you. I'm with you. I hear you. Yeah. Right. So, so I had some, I have severe anxiety and I was worried that, that our wedding would get canceled. I didn't think it would be like us calling it off, but I thought like, there's going to be something, there's going to be a, I don't even want to tell you because the listeners of this podcast will think I'm nuts, but I actually wasn't, I thought there was going to be a cyber attack and that like planes would be grounded and the wedding wouldn't happen. Okay. Fast forward. There has been a cyber attack, just kind of a different one. Some other type of attack. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, I just thought like, there's going to be something that happens that like, we're not going to be able to go to the wedding. It was in Florida. Um, there's like something would happen. So when the pandemic actually canceled my wedding, this was incredibly validating to me. You're like, I'm not crazy. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not crazy. I was worried. It's legit. Yeah, right. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. Like I canceled it probably like a day before most people were ready to cancel anything. And everyone was like, you're crazy. Why would you cancel it? It's going to, it's going to be fine. Next Literally, day. Three days later, we're living in a different world. And everyone's like, how did you know? I'm like, I just read things. <laughs> like, I just read I'm just, things. I just read. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm not an expert. Like I read ex- what experts were saying, but okay. So that really, the experience of having this thing that I was so afraid to lose the wedding that I had built up so much in my mind to have it, then this, this fear realized was really, it like snapped me into like a new form of strength that I didn't have where I stopped feeling like, what was me? And I started feeling like, you know what? This is, and this is, maybe this is like, maybe I can learn something from this or it's disappointing, but maybe something good will come of it. It has to be like some type of light at the end of the tunnel type of thing. Right. And I actually, something I've learned about myself is that 
I do thrive more in crisis and I am able to take on that sort of more like bigger picture mindset when times are hard and really intense. Like I lo- I've lost, I lost my brother and my grandmother in one week and my grandfather the following year that like, I feel like I'm at a bet. I'm better in a crisis than I am regular. Like when I was just sitting and waiting for the wedding to come and I was worried, I was just like this panicked weakling about it. Mm. And then when it finally happened, I was like, I, I like the strength came. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that whole like beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of like, I felt myself changing. Like I felt myself reevaluating like what matters. Um, and then, okay, then the BLM protests hit. Okay. Once again, a new reevaluation of just right. like everything you've ever known. Another level. But one of the things that really, in terms of the wellness world, mm-hmm. we're not going to go into like the police right now, but let's talk about like the wellness Ooh, world. That's another, yeah. that's another episode. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a different podcast, but the wellness world, what the way that this, that this like showed up in the wellness world was a lot of opinions or not even opinion, just the perspective about diet culture and how it helps to uphold the white patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea is that women having to shrink themselves and women having to invest money, time, thought in shrinking themselves when men are kind of just allowed to go out looking like whatever Whatever. they want. (laughs) Right. Literally. That is, that is something that's meant to keep women down. Like all that time that I was not thinking about that. I was not thinking about that. Okay. All the time that I was thinking about my weight and what I'm not going to eat and what will I eat and planning my meals and all of these things, all that time that I was doing that was time that I was not thinking about like how to make money, how to be better at my job, how to be a better wife, how to, how to well, I wasn't a wife at that point, but period. you know, Right. The things that matter, how to be a better friend, how to be a family, better family member. But like, I'm t- I specifically bring up the career things because that is how it relates to like mm-hmm. a hierarchical structure. Right. Okay. Then there's this up space period. Right. Then there's this other piece about that. And that this was the real, this was the real value shift for me. Mm-hmm. The diet culture is rooted in fat phobia. Yes. Fat phobia is inherently racist. That's not the only thing that makes it bad, but fat phobia is the reason for diet culture. Villainizing people who are, who come in bigger bodies or even not even bigger bodies, just not tiny, thin skeleton bodies. That villainization is a type of prejudice that I think does not get any sort of play in or up until this year, it really didn't. But like the health outcomes for people who are heavier or bigger or and the treatment they receive, especially when it comes to like people of color, is so different than the health outcomes and the health. And it's not, I mean, I'm sure you have the people who are like, well, heavier people are less healthy. That's actually not what the evidence shows. Not true. The American system for BMI is like incredibly outdated and it doesn't actually predict health outcomes. It's actually people on like, let's say like the lower end of the BMI scale. Mm -hmm. They also have bad health outcomes. It's the people who are like normal and even like overweight that are having better health outcomes. I wish I had the source to cite this. Um, I believe you. We'll show it up after, but it's legit. It's very legit. Yeah. I, so I mean, I'm sure you could find that like anywhere if you're like looking into like, hey, like health at every size movement, or even if you're not looking fully into the health at every size movement, you can look into like the disparity of outcomes and how that really hurts people who are in bigger bodies. Not everyone who's in a bigger body is, is, 
in a bigger body because they are eating potatoes, because they're chips, indulging. Exactly. Right. Sometimes people's bodies are just meant to be bigger. Yeah. And, and since and when those, was that ever a grime? Exactly. But but the, the important thing to remember is that the way that people are treated who are in bigger bodies is due to fat phobia. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's deadly for people. It, it really is. Not, I mean, not even to mention like the just regular prejudices and like the halo effect that comes with being thin and attractive and like white, let's be real. That is American society to a T. So that all sort of, that shift in kind of like philosophically how I was understanding why I was so obsessed with getting smaller really made me very angry. I was like, why am I obsessing over getting smaller every day of my life so that like I can kind of distract myself and lose out on things that I actually value and care about? And that was really like kind of the thing that hit me. Yeah. And two months before my wedding, I tried to start intuitive eating and it just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really, it's hard. It's hard because like, I still couldn't get away from the wedding diet and I really struggled with it. Yeah, of course. Ultimately okay. I didn't just, get it's just almost there. Let me just, let me just get that over with and then I'll start type of thing. Right. I mean, the whole, I, it was kind of hard because I was like it, half of me wanted to lose weight for the wedding. And half of me was like, you don't believe in this anymore. So, but it's like muscle memory. It's something that's so fixated in you. And it's like, intellectually, I don't believe in this at all, but it's like, I still want to see the results that the diet will give me. But then it's like, you know, then you have this like difficult feeling within yourself. Like you're kind of like at odds with yourself because it's like, no, I want to stand by this, but like, I still value that body that that unhealthy way is going to get me. So wait, hold on. Why is it that I still want that body? Right. I mean, because we've been like we want that body again because fat phobia has is like a key part of american values like it's go look at any like advertisement magazine television show it's so it sickening right it's very recent that you have diverse people and diverse bodies like prevalent in like media let's be real like and i okay so i i'll i'll continue with like kind of where i am now so i got married in august I start, I like really went into intuitive, intuitive eating, like right after since then, right now it's January. I have gained a bunch of weight, but my relationship with food has never been better. I used to like, I used to binge one of the, one of the results that you learn from intuitive eating is that binging and restricting are two pieces of the same cycle you restrict. And then that causes the binge. Okay. Now that I've stopped restricting myself, I have not binged. Like I I haven't binged in months, like probably two, three months. Maybe I have food in my house. I used to not be able to keep food in my house because I would eat it. Like I, I, I couldn't like get two pints of ice cream because if I had that, I would eat them both in one night. Maybe they would make it to the next day. Maybe I've had, exactly. At this point, I've been able to have like any food in my house without it being a problem. So the way I see it is like, and also I, I don't weigh myself anymore, but I do think that I have maybe lost a little bit of weight since I started gaining. Like once I started like being able to not just eat as much as possible to prove to myself that I could, and this is, there's dip, that's different than a binge. I will say I can outline how, um, once I sort of like got past that. And once I stopped feeling like the food was going to go away or I was going to start a diet on Monday, like 
I was able to just sort of like be stop with, you know, I could let an ice cream go and like, I could have it for like a week, you know? So that's kind of where I am now. Um, still on the journey. You know, I, I feel much happier with my relationship with food. Um, something I am trying to work on is my relationship with movement because I used to exercise only for weight loss and now I'm like, I, so I'm really in that right now. And like, if anyone's been seeing my, my stories, like I've been posting a challenge that a friend of mine, Rock That Body started. And I used to be the person that like, I would force myself to work out. Like I dislocated my knee, like playing soccer because I was trying to lose weight, but I was overweight to be playing soccer, period. And I just have so much trauma when I like hit an elliptical or even just walking around. Like I start, it's not just like a nice, you know, brisk walk around the park. No, like it, for me, it's an intense workout. So having to like recognize all of my body's movements to realizing like, no, you're not punishing yourself. You're, you're rewarding yourself by going for a walk. Like your body actually feels good afterwards. And like love, like I, I had a mentor of mine tell me like, love your chub. It literally holds all of you. Like it's supporting you through the day. And I'm like, I've never used this language with anybody. What, are, what right, same. <laughs> I'm like yeah. having a reaction to it. Um, but it's so real. And sometimes like I have friends who are like, let's just go kayaking. It's so much fun. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, right, right. Let me go mentally prepare for that kayak ride. It's not just, you know, this fun outdoor activity for me. And I used to feel like I was so alone in that. So thank you for just like validating that I wasn't. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you're told that, like the thing that will make you smaller is movement, then all movement becomes about getting smaller. Like even, I mean, I still am like a little, I'm still poisoned by that, to be honest with you. Like Mm -hmm. now I, I really try to go easy on myself. Like go on a walk, but I, in my head, I'm like, Ooh, I'll get like, some movement. Walk a little bit more. Ooh, that's an incline. That's a perfect incline. Let's go. Oh, like, right. And I'm trying, to, right. So I'm, right. so I'm <laughs> trying to like, I'm trying to like teach myself that like, no, like you want to move because like it's healthy for you. Like I, I still haven't like figured out how to crack that. Um, neither I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have friends who are like, Hannah, like, are you feeling anxious? Why don't you just do like a nice yoga flow? And I'm like, I want to be that person. I want to be that person so bad. I'm going to try to be that person. And then I'm in yoga and yoga is a practice. And I say that like emphasizing practice because your body literally just, if you lose it, regardless what weight you are, I've seen amazing women, curvy, vivacious, beautiful women who are yoga masters. It doesn't matter like what size shape you are. But if you stop a few days, like your body's going to feel it. And I just can't go back into it because I blame my body for not being able to do these really crazy poses that require you to literally do them every day. So it's, it's just an interesting phenomenon. And I was telling you, like, before we spoke, um, I come from like a Brazilian background and I grew up here in the States and I just was always covered up no matter what chubby child didn't matter. And I would go to Brazil and my family would be like, Hannah, like, why are you wearing a t-shirt on the beach? And I'm like, well, no one should see this. See what? You're beautiful. Wear a bikini. Let's go. And I always wondered to myself, if I had been raised in a different culture, like what would my relationship with my body have been like? And, you know, Brazil is just super multi-ethnical. Like there's so many ethnicities. No body is one body. You get, you know, Victoria's Secret models out of Brazil yet you can see anyone and I mean anyone in a thong on the beach and they're rocking it and I just would sit there and I'd be like what's I just don't understand like why can't I do that and now it just it's so much more apparent that it's so a part of our society's like fibers right that that I think is like 
the proof. I mean, that's one piece of proof that like, this isn't a natural human reaction. This is a conditioned reaction. Mm -hmm. It's conditioned because all the media we consume and all the people who are glorified and every celebrity and every like even public figures, like they are not head, like they're generally not heavier. They're most of the time very small. So it's like, yeah, this is a conditioned belief that you need to be smaller. This is not a fact. This is not like backed up by health or science. Yeah. It is not like objectively better. I think that like once and and the reason and I'm not just like rate ranting about it because it's like in theory bad. Like I'm ranting about it because it hurts women's psyches. It like really I think about my mom who's just, we are the same. We're, we're a little different in certain ways, but like in terms of our habits, when it comes to like eating sedentariness, like we are like one in the same, um, she spent her whole life yo-yo dieting. Like she didn't stop. And she says now she's like, I can't believe like why. And she even is still doing it. And she's like, I don't know why I care. Like, I don't know why I keep doing this. Like I've done it my whole life. It's been such a waste. And yet she still like, can't stop. And she still can't stop thinking about like the calories and like leaving over half the bread and like all that kind of stuff. Every time there's like a brand new diet that hits the market, we're all just like, let me just check if it's a little bit different than, you know, the five that I've done in the past. I don't know how many years it's, it's, it's you're choosing something that's not even just unhealthy. It's unrealistic. And you don't want to add to that illusion. The other piece to um, acknowledge here is that dieting is an industry making you feel bad about how you look. People are making money off of that. Literally people are on vacation because you think you feel fat. Like it's like people are on their private jet because you feel fat. That is how money, like there's billions of dollars in this. If they were able to make money being like, you're good as you are. They, they, it wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, and also it's sort of like, it's not in their interest for you to reach your goal weight. Because then who's going to pay for their products? Who's going to pay for their plans? Who's going to pay for their book that literally just says eat less calories than you? Bigger commentary on society and like where we're actually placing our values, which one profit. Look, if anytime you see something that doesn't smell right, just ask yourself, how much money is that bringing in for and for who? Like Mm -hmm. who's profiting off of our pain? Who's profiting off of the fact that you are like cancel or like, in a spiral because you like gained five pounds. Like someone is making money because of that. And like, I don't know, that made me pretty mad too. Once I like, once it really hit me. Yeah. I'm a little pissed right now. actually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to get a little pissed. You have to, for me, it was sort of like, I feel like I've been fleeced and that was just like, not cool for me. Like, you're not going to pull one over on me. Like, Like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like you are right. Exactly. Like I, I started feeling so frustrated with like the forces that were the bigger forces at work that were inflicting deep emotional pain on me for the past 20 years. Like I've had it. So enough, enough. Yeah, exactly. And what has been the response like in these past three years of just, you know, people like tuning in to diet starts tomorrow and just you know, the reaction, like, do you feel like more people are opening up? I mean, here I am. Hi guys, I'm opening yeah. up. I'm sitting here and talking about this with you. I would have never admitted to anyone that I had a, like, I had weight loss issues or anything. And the minute that people did, they would be like, they would look at me differently or be like, are you sure you're going to order that? Oh, like, how dare you <sighs> tell me what I'm going to order? Like, <laughs> right. Right. Oh, the, that's what I mean about the stigma and the judgment. That's fat phobia. 
to think that like, because someone's thin, they should be allowed to eat whatever they whatever want, they but want. because someone's heavier, they shouldn't be like, I'm sorry. Do you know, like, what do you know about that person? Like, how do you, like, what do you know about their health? So it's just, yeah. I mean, okay. Here's the response. Wellness is one of the most like controversial, you, you wouldn't think so, but wellness is an incredibly controversial space. Like you can never make everyone happy. Everyone's offended. I mean, everyone's offended about everything, but like, especially wellness. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like one of the criticisms that we were getting, when we were talking about diets was like, this is a diet culture podcast. Now people are like, I think generally people like it more now the way, like, I, I think the reason is because I think we are talking more from our hearts almost yeah. like as about this. Sense. Yeah. You're evolving through it. Right. But there are definitely those people who are like, I want to lose weight and I want to talk to hear from doctors who are going to help me lose weight. And I don't want to hear about why I shouldn't care about losing weight because that's like what they're, they still believe that. And that's fine. Like not gonna, you know, can't help everybody, but wellness is a very, yeah. Wellness is a very controversial space. Um, so it's, I mean, the response has been very, has been positive, but like there is definitely a divide in the wellness space about kind of like diet versus intuitive eating and what the parameters of that are. So I don't know. I feel happy that it does seem to have evolved a bit. Like my, my feed this year was much more like accepting less, like lose five pounds. I felt the same exact way. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still, I'm no, you know, I'm, I still feel like a stranger to intuitive eating in the sense that like, I do have my moments where I do binge um, and I still experience those old patterns because, you know, neuroplasticity is just trying to reframe in here. But right. I find that like when I am able to be intuitive, I just, something just inside me, it resonates and I just, you feel empowered to keep going. And it's just, it kind of slows you down and not in a sense that you don't get things done, but it slows you down to be in the moment, right? Like, I remember my mom, she would always try to do this with me. And I think it's because she also suffered so much from fat phobia and her own experiences. But like, instead of eating an entire chocolate bar, because you just want to keep tasting that chocolate, just like suck on it, suck on a piece (laughs) of frozen chocolate. And it'll like, I'm not saying like restrict it, but just like enjoy it. And if you want another piece, by all means do it, but just slow down. And I feel like, I mean, for my own practices because of like my Jewish practices and saying like, you know, certain blessings before I eat, I didn't even do it with that consciousness. Like I would, I would just say it because like, well, I'm religious. I'm going to say a bracha because that's what I'm supposed to do. But now it's like, oh wait, let me actually think about what's happening here. And it's just caused me to slow a lot down. And don't get me wrong. There are days where I'm like, I'm speed of light. I'm triggered. I'm not going to do this. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're working that muscle and hopefully it's something that'll stand on its own. But it's just fascinating. And, you know, taking the time to do it during the pandemic and working through it, like props to you, because this is a time, if anything, where people see like, you know, these things happening in our society, they're like, all right, let me go take five cups of wine, which do you, you should still have some wine, but like, let's just mask what's going on instead of like being like, okay, let me see how that actually impacts me. Like last week, everything with the capital, I literally was just like stuffing my face. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Um, to soothe myself, I am stuffing my face. So interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's never done that before. <laughs> no, but it's, you know, so it's so interesting what you say about like the chocolate. That's the kind of thing where like, I could not just like have a chocolate bar and like eat, stop when I'm done. Like that's a, that was crazy to me that someone could just like have a piece. And now that I'm like able to have a piece of a chocolate bar, I'm like, that's what, that's what I've been missing. Like this ability to just like 
feel satisfied. There's, there's also this idea that like when you do restrict and you're so used to restricting or you're afraid of a future restriction, your taste buds actually make the food taste better so that like, it'll be more so that you, cause your body feels like it's starving. Like it doesn't know the difference between a diet and like, we cannot foraging for food. Like your body doesn't know the difference. So when it evolutionarily makes those foods taste better because it doesn't want you to stop eating them because your body thinks you're starving. It's starving or it's restricted. But I've noticed like now I can like differentiate between different ice creams, like, and be like, Oh, I don't like that one as much. It doesn't taste as good. And like, it's not like every bite tastes better than the next, which is how it used to feel. Mm, I, I mean, if anyone is like doing this and like, or exploring it, like happy to talk to them about it. You know what I mean? It's very, um, baby steps for sure. It's baby steps. And what you said about, about saying the bracha, I think that is such a good point because those are, it's not meant that people are just like, literally, let me say it. It's like, it's meant for you to slow down. It's meant for you to like, have the intention of what you're eating. Like, where did it come from? Like, like that is what it's for. So it's sort of like, uh, it's a mindfulness exercise, but like any mindfulness exercise, it only really works if you like, you're in it are mindful about it. Yeah. You're not just doing it for the label. You're actually doing it. Like, right. Like when I say I'm meditating and I'm like literally just like zoning out the whole time and I'm not meditating. I'm just like <laughs> Everyone making a conversation. Out, um, the feed on diet starts tomorrow's Instagram because their memes are literally what I repost on my content. So you guys will definitely get a laugh or 20 out of it because it's just so relatable. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> no, Sammy, thank you so much for just making space for just coming on here. Like it's an honor, it really is, um, that you came onto this podcast. It means so much to me. And before you go, I just wanted, I always do this. It's a practice of mine where I always ask my guests to sit with something, um, whether it's something pertaining to the episode, something that has currently come up that you feel, you know, compelled to make space for, and we can just make space with you to have that experience. Okay. So, so what am I, I'm saying a thing that I want to make space for. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. This is like hard. Okay. I, I, that I want other people to make space for me. For you. This is for you. Okay. Okay. I want to make space for accepting my body, no matter what weight it's at, no matter what changes it goes through, no matter, um, what influence, like what I'm influenced by in terms of like, photographs on social media or TV or whatever it is. I want to feel like I deserve to love my body at any size, weight, appearance, whatever it is. Wow. That, yeah, that just like, it hit me. I feel like it's going to hit a lot of people and I just, yeah. like I want that for you too. I mean, yeah. I want that for all of us. I think we deserve that. I don't think there's a world where we come into where we're supposed to dislike ourselves. I don't think that's, that's not what it's meant to be. And I think that's something we've been conditioned to believe that it's normal. And I think if it means undoing yeah. years of that, well, let's roll up our sleeves and let's all help each other. And that's kind of the hope I have for this episode and definitely what I get from your podcast. So thank you. Thank you for sitting with Snit and Thank you for having me. This was really fun. I'm happy to talk to you anytime. I really enjoy our conversations, like even over DM. So likewise, always. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you, Sammy.